Father is looking for worshipers, and we're called to become worshipers. And um, if being here with us the last two or three weeks, I've been so excited to, to see what the Spirit has been inspiring our preachers to talk about. Stuart, if you remember, two or three weeks ago, talked about and asked the question, are you just existing or are you, are you actually living? And a worshiper, I'm sure, is somebody who's actually living, who has a dependency on the Father, a divine, a divine destiny ahead of them. And a desire to glorify the living God. A worshipper. And uh, Dan Irvin from the pastor who ministers in Haiti. And for those of you guests, we've had a relationship with Haiti for some time. So it's very much on our hearts. So appreciate you praying with us, Sarah, this morning. Um, but when Dan Irvin spoke that about the voice of the child in the darkness, wanting to hear if anybody is out there, if God is out there, where is God? In this place, and I'm sure many are crying that right now. Where are you, God, in this place? But that heart of compassion that Dan didn't just preach, he wept over us, just so inspiring and challenging. And then Jimmy last week, brilliant word about the accent of thanksgiving. That as worshippers, I believe, we're going to have an attitude and an accent of thanksgiving. We're going to have a heart of compassion, an attitude of thanksgiving, a life desiring to seek God's glory. These are the attributes answering the question I've been asking. What does it mean to be a worshiper? And I want to take it one more step today. My title this morning, like God pour gold in your mold. By mold, I mean not moldy. The mold that I was describing that we've been talking about, your heart, your attitude, your life, your circumstances, your, your, your very life, your being, your world, the, the mold that you have, whether you're married or single, whether you're rich or poor, wherever you've come from, whatever your experiences are, you have a mold, your life is a mold, and I'm believing God is going to fill us with good things, with gold indeed. But it's true as well that our mold can feel a little moldy at times, doesn't it? And much as I was inspired by Dan Irvin and Jimmy and Stuart, I don't know about you, but sometimes you just feel flip. I said, yeah, I want that, but I feel a long way from that. My heart of compassion, I need something to happen. I need uh, you know, I listened to Jimmy's sermon. I missed it last week on church. Um, listened to it in the car on the way into work. And the time I got to work, I was thinking, yeah, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be another yellow sock day. Remember yellow sock day from last time? I've got my yellow socks on today. You just need yellow sock days occasionally. Actually, I've, I've got yellow things today. I've got yellow pens today. If anybody feels like it's going to be a good day and they want to take notes, they don't have a pen, there's a special yellow pen available right now if anybody wants one. Does anybody want a yellow pen this morning? Mavis, our wonderful new worshiper, back from maternity leave, praise the Lord. Does anybody want anything this morning? A pen, Zara wants a pen. Brilliant. It's great to want something, isn't it? If you're here and not wanting anything, what's the point? 
there's more. Keep awake, there's more. There's more. Ephesians 5 encourages us to speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. I'm sure that's something a worshiper would be doing, and as worshippers, we want to worship, of course, but I love that encouragement in Ephesians that Paul directs us. The, the, the psalms, as I've said before, were the response of the Israel, Israelite people to what God has been doing in their lives. The stories, the, some are narrative, some are history, some are poetry, so much just a response to what God has been doing in their nation to rescue them from Egypt. And of course, hymns are a Christian's response to what God has been doing in our lives, I hope, and I believe. And the stories beside, behind some of the ancient and traditional hymns are wonderful. And the new songs that we're hearing or singing, that song particularly I loved, listening to it at Hillsong Conference in the summer for the first time, that, that phrase, he, there is no rival, just is wonderful, I think. And it's been speaking to me, encouraging me. And as we worship together and we declare these things, our faith grows. And in this environment, we get stronger and I believe things happen in worship. And it's good to hear the story behind a song, I think, sometimes, so that we wonder what the words are and why they're there. And um, I've got uh, the going to continue this video just now of the uh, Brooke Fraser or Letcher Wood, I think she is now married, um, and where this song came from and what it's about, just to help us, I think, actually help us worship in spirit and in truth. We want to hear about some of the truth behind the song and the story behind it. So, Robert, I don't know if you've got that available to just play on. So, there's about three or four minutes um, just talking about the story behind this song. Here we go. We'll get there. Sorry, Robert. It's coming. It's just picking up the next bit. I gave him two songs this morning, so two videos. Bear with us. Yeah, there, guys. About four minutes, Robert, if you need that.
And why you wrote it. I sure can, Cass. Thanks. Um, um, there is an amazing person in our world called Benjamin Fielding, who not only is one of the funniest people in the world and will probably be the future Prime Minister of Australia, but is also one of the best melody writers of our time, I think. <laughs> now, this Benjamin Fielding fellow and I got together in December in Sydney, Australia, and um, he had the first two lines of the song and... Um, just we were talking about the back half of Colossians 1 which talks about the supremacy of Christ and um, talks about you know creation being made through Jesus and um, you know him doing really cool things and um, but then it talks about in, in verse 26 how the mystery um, that was hidden for ages and in generations has now been disclosed to the Lord's people which is Christ in us the hope of glory and um, I guess it began with just the seed of that idea about um, about God's glory, which we have seen through creation um, and was hinted at through ages and generations, um, is fully seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And, um, and so we began to write it in December and uh, kind of went back and forth for a while and completed it in March, which is when we brought it to our church. And thus it began. So the, the verses change from what a beautiful name to what a wonderful name to what a powerful name. Mm. Why? Um, I think there's something about the name of Jesus that um, I remember um, a question came up. Um, I think someone asked if, uh, or just posed the question, is, is singing beautiful about Jesus too feminine? Would it kind of alienate men? And um, right. there, we actually have an amazing pastor in our church, Ian Woods, funnily enough, who I used as an example. He's just a guy who um, used to breed mini horses, um, <laughs> but just, you know, a lover of, of people for decades and decades. And I thought of Ian Woods, this amazing, you know, older guy in our church who's been around for years, and I thought... I. Ian Woods would 100% sing, Jesus, you're beautiful. What a beautiful name it is. Um, because anyone who has, um, I guess, come face to face with their own flaws and sin and received the grace of Jesus can undoubtedly say that it's the most beautiful thing ever. Um, the name of Jesus is beautiful. It's wonderful. We kind of loved... Um, almost the nostalgia of that word, wonderful isn't a really cool word, um, and so I think we used it quite deliberately because um, I think there's a, 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 a power to that and to kind of to deliberately insert a little bit of wonder in there. And then, of course, the power of the name of Jesus that breaks chains and heals bodies and uh, frees captives. Um, so I think um, we really loved the idea of um, singing about the name of Jesus in a way that kind of unfolded some of the facets of um, the, the beauty, wonder, and power of his name. Right. Yeah. And then after you sing that, there's that bit in the chorus is, you have no rival, you have no equal. Yeah. Like I can remember the first time you led that at home, and the whole church kind of, like, without even knowing it, started to roar those words. Mm -hmm. It was as if they had sung that song their whole life. And I think time and again as we've gone out, we've led it on tour, we have led it um, in all of our churches around the world. The feedback has been, our church has sung it as if they have known it their whole life. Mm. Is that your experience as well? I think, yeah, we, um, uh, I think there's something about singing something which um, someone in their soul knows is the absolute truth. Yeah. Um, and, and bringing that from a, a heart knowledge to a mouth confession which then becomes you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God so when you hear your own when you hear with your own ears your mouth saying something that's true it creates faith and I think that's what we experience in our services with not just that song but a lot of our right. songs yeah and it feels fairly simple and fairly classic yeah timeless maybe um, 
Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe Nige, do you want to show us a little bit of it? Uh, <laughs> thanks, Robert. Perfect, guys. I, 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 find, I don't know about you, but I find that absolutely fascinating and encouraging and uplifting to hear what goes into the song and what they're trying to express through it and the power that it has already had and uh, we've seen. And, uh, of course, the, the songs we were singing this morning are very much in the same mold. I hope that we're declaring something powerfully and it raises our spirits and you can feel it as you come into worship and the presence of God comes down and there's, there's a dynamic that happens which is incredibly powerful and I wanted to look at Colossians on the back of that to understand more about wh- what um, uh, she, uh, we were talking about and what inspired the song so this, this is a song sermon, a sermon song uh, I'm just going to use this song to uh, just bring out the truth of Colossians, I hope, and um, it's absolutely dynamic and wonderful, and um, see if we can just move this on. I'm supposed to have power here, see if we can do it. I think I blew it, Robert. There we go. Back in charge. Brilliant. His name is beautiful. I've given you a handout with the words of the song on the back, and um, basically, most of Colossians on the other side. Um, I hope that's going to be helpful for you as, as we start to unravel this uh, song and the scripture and the truth behind it. What a beautiful name. And it was lovely what um, Brooke described about that we can say beautiful as men. Jimmy is beautiful. It's true. Alma says it every day, but Jimmy, you're beautiful. And um, we feel awkward doing things like that. But it's more than being just about a pretty face and just look at this scripture together. I want to read it to you and with you. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Wouldn't it be wonderful, and I hope it is, maybe that as a church in Dunfermline, we might have... A reputation. I would love to have that reputation, wouldn't you, that the Colossians had for Paul, that we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and your love that you have for all God's people. What a testimony that would be. And as individuals, we'd love that too, wouldn't we? As Christians, as learning to be worshippers, to be known for the love that we have for God's people and the faith that we have in Christ Jesus. And that is... Uh, a beautiful thing, and um, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up in this name, Christ Jesus, our Lord. The name that represents all the wonder of the gospel, and the truth of the gospel, and the power of the gospel. This name, Christ Jesus, your faith in Jesus is what this life is all about. Faith in the name of Jesus. And all that it represents and all that it achieves. The hope that we have in heaven 
and, and we're commiserating with those that have lost family this week. We're commiserating with those who've, I don't know if you heard, Haiti, of course, but more locally, the, the tragedy of a, a young lady, probably just in her 20s, found in a park, having taken her own life. Just tragic that somehow this voice, this hope, that the hope of heaven hadn't reached her. And um, just terrible news that comes through. But we have this hope that there is a heaven and the gospel is true and that eternity is possible. And in this hope, springing out and flowing through the name of Jesus, we can bear fruit and we can grow and we can be transformed and we can understand God's grace all from the beautiful name of Jesus. It's a beautiful name. Can anybody echo this for me? Can we say together, his name is beautiful. Come on. His name is beautiful. Do you believe it this morning that his name is beautiful? It's so wonderful. It's eternity. It's real hope. It's real truth. It's real life. It's real grace. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. Let's continue reading. Colossians, it goes on to say, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. What a wonderful name that can achieve that for us. That we, when we call on that name and invite that name down, not the saying the name itself, is the depth of it, the hope of it, that it is the way that we know that our life has meaning. There is really nothing else in all the world that gives the world meaning and life's meaning other than the name of Jesus. We can find out what we were called to do, the good works that God has prepared for us through the name of Jesus. This has been made possible for us. The only reason we have hope in life is through the name of Jesus. The only reason that we can know that depression and despair and despondency and suicide has an antidote is because we have the name of Jesus with us and for us. There is hope. There is real hope that everybody has a call. Everybody has a purpose. This is the name of Jesus. And how wonderful is his name? Come on, tell me how wonderful is his name. Can you say is his name? His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. There is power in saying it and declaring it. And I believe that helps us as we speak to one another with psalm sings and spiritual songs. And singing it out actually helps us do that. There's power in declaring this and saying it. So I'm just not being an annoying, well, I am probably being an annoying preacher, but it's not just for that reason. I believe that when we declare these things, our faith grows and it rises up. And um, singing it is even more powerful. We're going to do that later. What a wonderful name. What a wonderful name. What a powerful name. And we're used to maybe in church hearing about the name of Jesus. But just remember this, that Paul goes on to write that in the, the Colossian church are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance 
and patience and give, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I've been reading this day in, day out for the last, I don't know ever how long, preparing this. And it's just um, feeding my spirit and encourage you to, to dig into this and delve into it. These words are absolutely incredible. They are so powerful that the power to rescue us from darkness and take us into the kingdom of light is the most powerful force in the world, in all creation. That power to move us from sin and death and despair into the kingdom of light and forgiveness and redemption. That is what Jesus has done. That is his powerful name. When we call upon his name, that is what we can receive. Come on. Is his name powerful? He has a powerful name. It is the name by which we are saved. There is no other name that we can call upon that can save us. It says in Hebrews 12, for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. And I always thought about stupid, silly things you think of. I'm in the Garden of Eden going through the cross. Thinking, oh, I'm going to get through this and then I'm going to be home with the Father. It's going to be wonderful. And uh, that's such a relief. It's going to be so joyful. Big party. Great stuff. And you know, it's sort of how facile my life is, I guess. You, you look for things to get through and then you celebrate and, it, and it's great. And it's not really fair to equate the same thing to Christ in the Garden going through the circumstances of the cross. And I've always thought the joy was his. That he was in, going to be receiving joy and in joy. But I, I, I think God challenged me this week to say, hang on, Christ wasn't doing this for his joy. He was doing it for your joy, for our joy. For the cross releases for us all the joy that we have received in our lives and every life that has called upon the name of Jesus since that day that has turned mourning into gladness has received joy and the joy that we can have the only real joy that we can have is dependent on Christ going through the cross and that joy is ours and he saw every single broken person defeated person suffering person lost person the cry of the child in the darkness that Dan called about. He saw that joy. And for that reason, he went to the cross and died for us that all people can call upon the name of the Lord and receive that same, same joy. How wonderful and how powerful and how beautiful is the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Colossians goes on. Paul writes, he's not finished yet. By any means, he's not finished yet. Talking about Jesus. Talking about the name that rescued him from darkness. Verse 15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him 
and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He has, Stephen, no rival. He has no rival. Can you join me in saying, can you agree with me that Jesus has no rival? If these words are true, if this scripture is true from the ancient texts, from Paul's revelation in prison, writing, suffering, if he can say this and reveal it by the Spirit, how else can it be except by revelation that there, Jesus has no rival if these words are true? If you believe these words, you can say, Jesus has no rival. It's hard, isn't it? It's easier when you're singing it. Andy Murray? Anybody love Andy Murray? Not all the best sportsmen are Australian. Most of them are. Andy Murray wants to be number one in the world this year for tennis. But he has a challenge. He's just significant rivals. Djokovic and Federer and all the great. They say this is one of the greatest eras of tennis. Andy Murray wants to be number one in the world. Bless him. There's a, I don't know, top 100 tennis players getting into that is great. Top 1,000 is good. Jesus has no rival. There is not a number two, a number three, a number four, or a number five, whatever the world may suggest to you, Jesus has no rival. There is no top 1,000. There is no top 100. No so-called God. No philosophy of life. Nothing can rival Jesus Christ. He is no contention. The enemy that we see trying to suggest that evil will overcome the world, that he will rule and reign, that darkness will prevail, that suffering will overcome. He has no rival. There is nothing that can come close to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. He is the image, the fullness of God, completely in bodily form. In him, all things were created. He is before creation. He is above creation. Through him, everything was created. Things in, not just on earth, but in heaven as well. Everything was created through Christ Jesus. All the fullness dwells in him. And everything is reconciled to God through Christ. And even things in heaven and on earth. Not just what we see, but what is in the principalities and worlds and Everything is made reconciled to God by peace. Through his blood shed on the cross, nobody else can do it. Nobody else can achieve it. There's nothing that our mold can do to find God. It's impossible. Our lives cannot rival what Christ has done. He has no rival. Only through Christ. Only through his blood shed on the cross. He has no equal. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn. 
from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things in heaven or on earth. Things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Christ as a church, he is its head. And we wonder at the church before us and we can be discouraged and disappointed, but he is its head and he will hold all things together. He will coordinate, pull all things. He is the thing that unites us and helps us work together. Different churches, different expressions of faith, but working together through Christ the head. The church through Christ cannot be defeated, cannot be contained. It will survive. It will win. There is this wonderful image of being the body of Christ, his hands and his feet. So if you feel sometimes that the church is in a bad shape, it is not in a bad shape because Christ is our head. Christ is our chief. He is the wisdom. He's directing. He's bringing all things together. He is our unity. He is our victory. And the gates of hell cannot prevail. Through him, and through him alone, he is sufficient. He has no equal. He has no rival. The world is not unraveling as we see. Sometimes it appears to be on the news and the presentation in the world and despair and hopelessness. The world is not unraveling because Christ is holding all things together, not just cement, not just physical but through his love and his power and forgiveness, the whole of creation is held together. He has no equal. He has no rival. And it goes on, Paul goes on. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages. This is such good news. This is such good news. I can't just wear yellow socks. I need to wear yellow glasses as well. Do you like these? This, is, this, this truth is so powerful. Would anybody want, like a pair of yellow glasses just to get ready for this? Whoa, bad throw. Come on. Who wants something from this sermon today? Who wants something? Who wants something? Come on. Come and get one. Come and get one. Come and get one. Come and get one. You've got glasses on. Come and get one. You've got glasses on. Andrew Perry needs a pair because he knows what's coming. I've run out. Who wants one? You look better than me for sure. I can see what I'm saying now. This is just so exciting, church. This is just so wonderful, this truth. I, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, that we've been in the dark for generations. We've not seen it, 
We haven't understood it. We did not know what was coming. We could not understand it. But Paul had it revealed to him and he understood it through the Holy Spirit moving in him and revealing it to him. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. And when you say Gentiles, that means everybody else that is not a Jew an Israelite. And for Jews, the Gentiles were everybody and they were all unclean. And could, they were not part of God's promises, part of their nation. But this, so that means that you and I, you and I are Gentiles. So this message, this mystery, this hope, this power, this name, is for us, is for you, is for me. There is nobody excluded. There is nobody that can't receive this glory. The, 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 the hope of the gospel is for every single person across every single nation, small, large, whatever you've come from, whatever your name, whatever your identity, whatever your parents were. It's not your birthright that has got you close to God. It is not your life that is going to get you close to God. It is only Jesus Christ that will bring you close to God. Yeah, come on, even my wife wants to suggest that there is nothing like this message, this hope, this power. To them, God has chosen to make known, that means to you and to me, that the glories, glorious riches of this mystery, which is, which is, what is this mystery in a nutshell? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Christ came down so that we could have our mold, our lives, everything that we are and everything that is short in it and failing in it, our mold, our life can be filled with Christ. Every single individual person, heaven comes down to our hearts and fills us through Christ. Where is Christ now? Yes, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But when we call out to him, when we cry out to him, when we ask for the name of Jesus to rescue us and save us and redeem us, he comes and takes residence by spirit, in our hearts, by faith. This is the hope of the glory that we have. This is our hope. This is our joy. This is the hope that the world is crying out for. Where is God in this place and in this suffering? If you call on him, he will come to you in your darkness. He will come down and he will take residence with you. He will fill your heart. Nobody is excluded. Nobody has uh, done anything bad enough that he will not come. However moldy your mold is, he will come and live in it. And the wonder of this transformation, this gold that comes, he starts to transform your very mold itself, that your life will start to, your thinking will start to change, your heart will start to change, your life will start to, your experiences, your circumstances, as you call upon the name and let this gold filter into your life, your heart will become a compassionate heart, you will begin to have an attitude of thanksgiving because you start to understand this and receive it and reveal it and he changes us and transforms us and our mold becomes less moldy than it's ever been before and it becomes start to be molded into the shape of Christ himself the hope of glory in our hearts. His name is, which one? Let's go for beautiful. His name is beautiful. His name is wonderful. His name is powerful. He has no rival. He has no equal. Hallelujah. Can you applaud the Lord our God for his goodness and this gospel and this mystery revealed to us? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear too many more stories in Dunfermline of young girls getting found in children's play parks. We didn't get that message out. 
we have not got that word out. That hope has not got to those ears and got to that heart. And on our watch, in this place, in this generation, we want to make sure that the message is loud and clear. That Christ in you, the hope of glory, can give you purpose, can give you hope, can give you freedom, can give you release, can give you joy, can bring you eternity, can give you purpose, can defeat your enemies, can overcome depression, can deal with um, despair. Gives you purpose, gives you hope, gives you life. And we're only going to be able to do that if we're filled with gold every day. If we're learning to become worshippers and worship in spirit and truth. Let's get this uh, song ready, Robert. Um, this is the live version of this song. And um, I'm hoping that this revelation, as you, 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 we start to declare this song together, um, helps your conviction that Jesus' name is wonderful, that his name is beautiful, that having understood the scripture, the truth, the reality of it, that we can declare it. And as we declare it, we can believe it more and more, and our mold changes. If the band come up as this song's playing, we'll pick up um, after this as well. We've got a little bit of time, and I want to encourage you to stand together and, um, and just... I spoke about self-conscious worship and, and encourage you that if self-conscious worship means you worship less, that's not a good thing. But if self-conscious worship means, my goodness, here's my opportunity. God is watching. The Spirit is here. And if you can understand that, well, yeah, it may be hard, but if I start to speak out loudly the truth that I believe, my, my heart will be transformed. The spiritual atmosphere in my life will be transformed. So, We've got an opportunity here, church, and I know it's difficult, but the lights are dark, so I would encourage you to make a noise as the song grows, and I might help a little bit, and as the band come up, do something you've not done before. Maybe it's lift your arm. Maybe it's just to say a word out loud, say a prayer, sing a song. I don't know. Take a step. And small beginnings are all it takes. The Olympic philosophy that got Britain so much success was marginal gains. The theory and the strategy they put into place to bring gold to the Britain's athletes was marginal gains, little by little, day by day. They help transform athlete's life and performance so that they receive gold. In the kingdom of God, we get the gold little by little, day by day, moment by moment, whenever we call upon the name of the Lord, whenever we enter, not just into worship, whenever we're turning our attention to God and asking Him to fill us, His gold will come. Whenever we make a decision of faith, whenever we choose God's glory, whenever we decide to believe in a promise, a little bit more gold comes and feeds us. So it doesn't need to be a big step you take this morning. Maybe just a little one. And marginal gains, you'll receive your gold. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's play this song then. The words are on the back of the sheet, by the way, if that helps.
Doesn't help anymore. Okay, let's let's stand together. Just you pick up the words. You know the main bits. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is! What a beautiful name it is! You sing.
need wisdom. He will give you knowledge, understanding, to do His will, to know Him, and we will know Him more and more and more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. worship. Be bolder in worship. When in worship, you will win in every area. Come on, George. Let's worship. Let's worship together. Let's worship together. Just take one more step. Believe these words and recognize the truth in them. And as we declare them and sing them together, 